0: Hey guys, welcome to the e-commerce paradise podcast today. I have a special guest on the show His name is Phil and he's been a friend of mine for a while now. He does internet marketing uh, He helps businesses with dropshipping in Australia And I'm just really excited to have him on the podcast to talk about all things internet marketing. Welcome to the show Phil
1: Thanks, man. How's it going?
0: So um, I originally met you in uh, Chiang Mai, Thailand, and you were helping a friend, um, a mutual friend with his dropshipping store, and we were both working at Pun Space and kind of like enjoying the atmosphere and, and the connections and stuff like that. Um, it was really fun, and so I kind of wanted to get from you, like leading up to that point, like what, what was your uh, entrepreneur journey? What got you into like entrepreneurship, um, becoming a digital nomad, you know, remote work, that kind of lifestyle?
1: So actually, it was a weird kind of conundrum in the sense that The vegan community, because I'm vegan for a start, got me into digital nomadism, essentially, if you want to call it an ism. Uh, I listened to a podcast from another vegan entrepreneur, which was Sean Lee, who got interviewed by Johnny uh, for his podcast. And I knew I followed essentially Sean, but didn't know Johnny. So I listened to that podcast and then I was like, oh, wow. There's this whole world of online working as well as all this other stuff that I'm interested in. So essentially went digging through his podcast, learned more about the whole dropshipping and the journey through that way. Uh, eventually signed up to Anton's like the whole course with that that a lot of other people have done uh, and then found dropshipping through that route. Essentially, uh, I started my, my initial journey essentially was to take the course, follow it through and then set up my own store. Um, got a few orders, did it right, but I essentially learned a hell of a lot of lessons through that, um, put that on the back burner with a friend, and then decided to dabble in Amazon FBA, because Amazon is big in the UK, and then she really wanted to give that a go, so I was like, okay, I'll continue on this on the side, and mainly focus on Amazon, so we did all that, and that kind of we did a few things with that essentially that's actually still going to some extent as a little passive income and then decided to take the plunge and come over to thailand and actually meet more of the community escape uh, the uk for a bit and uh, check out thailand and essentially yeah we met uh, i can go on but i think we'll just kind of have a little bit more of a conversation because this can literally be the whole contact podcast of me just rambling on
0: yeah that was pretty cool um it was just neat like we kind of had the same experience i guess you know like i found all of the internet um the youtube videos by anton and then i found out about johnny and his whole experience in thailand and then i read one of his books and he you know talked about it as if it like is just totally easy to do and at the time like my mindset was oh this is a foreign far-off country how could i ever possibly live there you know and work um remotely and stuff and i just didn't really like it didn't click in my mind yet at that point um mm-hmm. it wasn't until like we started diving more into like the podcasts and the YouTube channels and stuff like that and, and find out more people that are living out there and like how cheap it really is and how safe mm. and, and comfortable it is and stuff like that, that we actually became comfortable enough with the idea. And then at one point we're just like, you know what, screwed I'm overpaying like a thousand bucks a month for rent and you know, having to have a car and pay for insurance and all this other bills and stuff like that back home where basically all the money we made um, from either like our uh, freelance work or from the dropshipping site would just be like spent, you know what I mean? Like it was just gone by the went of debt, and so I was just over it. So I decided to go to Thailand, and um it was kind of cool because it was like a, a convergence of people came out there. Um I think uh, the yeah, years were kind of like trying to build a community a little bit more out there and stuff like that. And um yeah, it was it was kind of a cool time, and uh, we kind of mm-hmm. got involved in like masterminds groups and stuff like that. And um people were starting podcasts, and there were some other weird things going on out there. There was a, a member the the two brothers that were out there in Chiang Mai. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was weird. That yeah. Yeah. Um, Aaron Atlas and, uh, and what's the yeah. Atlas brothers? Yeah? Crazy. Yeah. Videos, right. They wanted to go out to Chiang Mai with no business experience. These guys are, are con artists by the way. And, mm. and they, they represented themselves as like, uh, as having, you know, some sort of experience connecting people and they started trying to charge people for mastermind groups. And there yeah. was a huge group of digital nomads in Chiang Mai that just like tore them up. It was so funny. Um, we basically
1: but, ran them out of the town with pitchforks in a sense.
0: Like. <laughs> It was quite funny so yeah it was crazy man it was a lot of dramas uh, but there was a lot of good things there was like um you know the mm-hmm. nomad coffee club we were always coming together for that and uh, it brought the
1: community together in one way which is quite interesting we had a common enemy to some extent <laughs> which is something we never really had
0: <laughs> at that point it was very much a ragtag well, group i think i think johnny was kind of the common enemy at some point to some extent and yeah, then, like all of a I sudden agree. these guys became like way worse than johnny ever was and then all <laughs> yeah. of a sudden like everybody's like oh johnny's cool these guys are fucking yeah uh, yeah so Johnny was kind of staying quiet the whole time it was it was interesting mm. and just kind of getting to meet the people and know a lot of the people and stuff was interesting because I got to sort of understand like the dynamics there and um it's interesting it's like a small city you know so it's kind of like it has that mm-hmm. sort of like small town vibe to it and um Chiang Mai is pretty cool and like you were saying like tons of vegans out there um Sean yeah. Lee you know, for instance, he's uh, he's vegan and um, I'm not sure what he's up to these days. Um, but I
1: know he's, he's like- LA, yeah, yeah. or oh, he's in LA or Las Vegas or something. Yeah. He's he's basically in California, I know that much. But as far as what he's doing, I know he's got some sort of vegan talk show thing, yeah. like I cool. think it's the of Vegan show. I don't know. I I don't really keep up with him too much yeah. these days, but I, I still see little bits here and there. But yeah, it's really interesting because essentially there's the two polar opposite communities. Yeah. No not really because now they're kind of merging together. Because a lot more vegans are wanting to work online. A lot more digital nomads are becoming more aware of the environmental aspects of everything, as well as wanting to clean up their diet and things. So the two communities that are kind of converging in one way or another, which is always quite interesting as well. But yeah, that's kind of initially how I found all this stuff. And I was really kind of like, oh wow, like this is expensive here, We're living in London, in the UK. Not to mention the weather's terrible and <laughs> everything's like I'm just like why am I working this dead-end job when I could literally be living in Thailand and seeing income reports and people and going yeah you can live on 600 US dollars a month or you could scale that up and basically be a total baller and just really live it up or just live incredibly cheaply and then bootstrap a business so for me I was like if I'm gonna go I'm gonna do it go and do it properly I'm not just gonna go and dabble in like two weeks and be like oh that was fun but like I want to like on do shit so i basically like sent, spent six months with uh, my wife and we sold pretty much everything we owned other than what we were traveling with and a few warmer clothes in case we ever came back to the uk and then we're like fuck it let's just go for it and uh, by that point we we're making like 300 ish 400 US dollars a month so it was basically enough to get by without dipping heavily into our savings and then went over there met with people networked kind of found more new information about like how we could optimize our stores or do other things, discovered other various ways of dropshipping, like instead of high ticket dropshipping, like low ticket dropshipping and eBay dropshipping and all these other aspects. And I was like, are you are you kidding me? You can actually drop ship from Amazon to eBay and that works. And people were stupid enough to buy. It, and apparently that was a thing. So we did it for a little while and mm-hmm. yeah, it's just like it's crazy the amount of things that people like find out and pick up and try and then essentially work and all of it coming together allows you to live like an awesome lifestyle that essentially is like a win-win for you guys and like you guys can travel and work online and just make your own hours and wake up in the morning and be like oh just i fancy going for a swim or a skateboard in your case or like for me i was big into cycling so i'd go out riding with the guys and do like 60 80ks of riding in the morning and then be like okay let's go have a coffee and meet up and do some work and then from there on spend the rest of the day on my laptop and then meet up for dinner again and yeah it's awesome
0: yeah man you can totally get caught up in the community out there um, mm. there's so much to do. Like there's literally vegan restaurants all over the city. Uh, there's, um, there's a bunch of them on the West side. There's a bunch of them on the East side. There's on the South side of the moat. Um, if, if the listeners aren't familiar with uh, how Chiang Mai is, it's, it's like a, it's an old city surrounded by a moat and a, and a wall. And then there's, uh, roads going around it one way on the outside and one way on the inside. So, um, it's kind of an interesting city to get around. It's not like the yeah. classic like one way through, one way out. Like there's all these like yeah. kind of mazes and and little back alleys and stuff. And it's a very charming little city like that. It, it's awesome. I, I it's, totally it's very feel, fun. Like, just too. getting lost in Chiang Mai. It's a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, we we refer to like it as like the square, like the old town, which is basically like this main hub, which is basically a square with a one way system and the moat around. And essentially, like even that's like the hub. And then from there on, you've got different districts around it essentially. And it's all flat, so it's great to kind of get around and you can see things. And I think it's around uh, like a hundred vegan restaurants, if not more, in the space of some sort, like maybe, was it like 25, 30 K general area or something like that. It's really not that big from yeah.
0: like one side to the other. And the food is so cheap too, man. I love it. And it's so like cheap. the most delicious food you've ever had. Like um, uh, vegan heaven is really good, um, a taste from heaven uh um the salad concept is one of my favorites and yeah it's like yeah. uh i don't know maybe three to five hundred baht per meal or something like that maybe less like no, that's for the expensive that's places. expensive stuff right like no, it's no, like like, expensive a, places. like you could go down to one of the little street stalls and get like a burmese salad for 30 baht which is like you know equivalent yeah. of one u.s dollar uh for a little plate yeah. and just like fill up on this stuff and oh man it's it's really cool like I, I just remember it as being i kind of felt like a new college campus to me in a way so there- oh, yeah, I get that. It,
1: feels, it has that like, student college vibe to it, essentially, but the also areas, being, like, sure. a full-on city. Yeah. Like, I, I think a lot of the areas do, to, to be honest, like, yeah. especially when there's more expats and more vegan, like, vegan restaurants. Like, where I live, it's kind of more like Santi Town, that kind of general area where Emame yeah. is, essentially. And there's Sangaroons, which is basically like, almost like a buffet that's open from, like, I think, 9 a.m. to essentially when they run out of food which is normally around 2 p.m. ish Uh, and they're generally like it's 30 baht or 35 baht for three toppings and rice and that's like what two dollars something like that like us like probably not even that and it's like some of the best vegan food I've ever had and I pretty much go there every day like for lunch because it's just the mock meat there is just like next level and I've never had anything like it and I'm I, I miss it now I'm in Australia but hey I've got other perks here. as we go. It's you're making,
0: pretty you're making me miss it. T- all this talk about Chiang Mai. I think I want to plan a trip back. <laughs> yeah, Bangkok is, like, so spread out. It's yeah. just, like, a massive city.
1: It's, it's That's so why I never got
0: on with it. Yep. Mm. Yeah, yeah, staying in Bangkok now is different for sure. Like, um, but I just realized that uh, last time we were in Chiang Mai, they actually have a public transport system now. They have a bus, uh, bus system. Yeah, I've I seen it. Have you had a yeah,
1: chance yeah. To I've, I've seen it. I've never been on it, but I've seen it. Okay. I really like the Mobike system they've got now, which I think started maybe earlier this year. Like the orange bikes, they're in Australia now. I've seen them in like other pictures. I think they're like it's just maybe a Chinese company that's essentially taken over the world with rentable bikes. With they've got like solar panels on them, and you use an app to essentially unlock the bike and then leave it wherever you want, and then it charges you like an amount. Like in Thailand, it's 10 baht for 30 minutes. And these bikes are like basically designed with tires that are complete so They'll never get a puncture. They're like designed to last forever, essentially. So it's pretty much just like scan the thing, ride to wherever, lock it up, walk around, get a grab or whatever. If you need to Uber something, if it's raining and then just grab another one at some other point. It's just like if I'm going again, I probably won't even take my bike. Because yeah, it's awesome. like, oh, that's and awesome. it's also 150 baht for a month pass. That's which it? Is just, that's it. <laughs> that's for like a month five pass. bucks. <laughs> yeah, it's five bucks for a that's month insane. pass. Like, and you can use like two that's hours cool. a day of, of riding around, which yeah, is just nuts.
0: That's and stuff, right? That's, yeah. that's way, all you you need way more than you need. Yeah. The space of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's Most people cool. barely
1: travel like 5Ks like in a day. That town That's is weird.
0: evolving a lot. Every time I go back, there's new buildings going up. They just repaved the, uh, the main road in there. And I'm sure they're doing a lot more. Yeah, it's
1: looking much nicer.
0: Yeah, it's cool. Like, I, yeah, I no bigger morning. hotels,
1: everything's growing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's cool to see that. And, um, you know, you guys were always involved in, some really, in a really cool thing uh, called the Cube. Um, can you talk yeah. a little bit about that? It's really, it's really cool what you're doing there.
1: Sure. Um, the whole thing is essentially the, the main organization behind it's called
0: anonymous for
1: the voiceless uh and it's like a worldwide organization it started i believe in melbourne australia and we met the owners in chiang mai when they were essentially like traveling around uh they're the vegan themselves and the whole thing is basically a vegan organization that's designed to essentially spread awareness for like kind of the the practices of factory farming and things like that essentially and also Um, like the environmental consequences to it and also the animal welfare consequences to it. Because obviously like a pig is designed, not designed, but it's designed to like, as as an animal to roam around and they're generally kept in very small cages, barely enough, barely big enough for them to turn around. So it's kind of horrendous. And what they do, they've designed it as a kind of concept to essentially have people with signs, TVs or laptops in a kind of cube kind of style format which all wear kind of like anonymous masks, the kind of Vita Vendetta kind of masks if you're not really aware of the whole anonymous movement. And basically they wear the masks, so essentially it takes the awareness of the viewer less about what the people are about and more about the content, which is the footage they're holding with their laptops. Kind of, to some extent, slaughterhouse, but not necessarily just slaughterhouse, but just a whole range of like spectrum from fishing to where where the eggs, like where your eggs come from and about like baby chickens and the whole fact of like most male chickens which are essentially created from hens aren't used in the egg industry. So essentially what they do is they either gas them or blend them because obviously they want the female chickens for laying eggs. So they're kind of like the ramifications of what your dollars are kind of spending when you're buying into these products. And like I was going back to, um, and the cube is there to demonstrate this and it's kind of like almost like an art installation where it kind of draws people in because it's like what's going on here are people wearing masks etc and you have outreachers, which are essentially people i enjoy doing outreach so i generally stand around kind of near the cube and essentially just the whole thing is to engage with these viewers uh and to have conversations with them about kind of have they considered the you know, are they aware of these kind of situations it's not like like a march or anything like aggressive it's very much if anyone's not interested that they generally walk past but if anyone is interested they generally would stay and watch take pictures or whatever and then you just as an outreacher have a conversation with them about everything and it's this is happening in pretty much almost every single city i think major city in the world it's growing at incredible rates and it's kind of helping spread the awareness of essentially what us as humans are doing to the planet and to the animals in the planet that we're essentially either like killing because we want to g- grow more space to essentially raise more animals or grow more food and they're kind of impeding into that or essentially just kind of basically what what our dollars are going towards when we choose to vote for meat on our plate instead of a plant-based meal for example but yeah that's yeah. kind of the, the premise of it but yeah, it's, called anonymous
0: it's important mm. I think it really does help, you know, I think a lot of people just don't really realize, especially in Thailand, we realize what's going on with the factory farming and stuff like that. Um, Hmm. It's not a whole lot of education. And then of course people rely on the media for education a lot of the time and the media is full of commercials and news, which isn't really education. It's it's paid for by the people that own those companies, which is probably similar people that own the companies that produce the meat and dairy. So yeah, yeah, it's kind of unfortunately what's going on in our society. Um, Hmm. It's the same with a lot
1: of things. Yeah, in that way. I was just gonna like elaborate on, like for example, the media is generally based, like same with the government, on like lobbying, and essentially it's what lobbyists generally push for, and not necessarily whether they're right or wrong, but it's whether they've got the money to spend and the influence to kind of push the message across. And yeah, the media is generally run by big conglomerates, and they generally have an agenda to push. And uh, no, I mean not necessarily all of it is bad, but there's a big chunk of it that essentially isn't the truth like I, science is generally the best form of information out there and science it's generally saying that the the world is heating up that the environment is kind of suffering because of it and a large part of it is to do with our like us as humans essentially our impact onto the planet so generally that's kind of irrefutable evidence and for me the, one of the main reasons I became vegan it's for the environmental impact i mean we're all aware or most of us are aware about these large plastic islands floating across the sea essentially that are growing at exponential rate and that's undebatable that we cause that because we're the ones that are manufacturing all this plastic and then throwing it out so again all of it's kind of growing and like i'm generally enjoying seeing on my facebook feed and other things like the general consensus of people are becoming more aware like the whole plastic straws movement right now that's kind of growing it's it's all interesting it's all leading into the right places but it's all down to essentially us as the ground kind of people like sharing the message and essentially spreading the word to our friends and it's about what news bbc news fox news etc are spreading but anyway, back to you. Sorry. <laughs>
0: yeah, I like I like the plastic thing. I don't think people really yeah. associate veganism with with uh, like reducing waste right off the bat. I think that's something that you know even even people that just want to eat healthier and you know and maybe like help save like or just kind of help you know save the animals, I guess. But um, they don't sure. really realize like you go to the grocery store and you buy produce like it's all wrapped in plastic. You know, like you go to any place you buy anything that's in a plastic bottle. That plastic bottle is only going to be used once and then you're gonna throw trash, you know, generally speaking, and then where does it go from there? I don't think people like really realize like where does trash go, you know, and like it has to go somewhere. It doesn't just disappear. This plastic that we have, it lasts like, gosh, man, how long does plastic last before it even gets close to biodegrading? It doesn't even biodegrade, it just breaks down into smaller pieces. yeah thousands of years later it's like tiny chunks and that's it you know
1: there's different forms of plastic some of it's like hard plastic that obviously is designed to last longer than softer plastic like all those kind of things and yeah even a lot of countries essentially their method of recycling is to essentially outsource it to a poorer country that will deal with it for them which a lot of the times is just piling it up dumping it or burning it which generally doesn't solve the problem so it, there's big aspects to essentially that are ongoing and will affect our ne- the next few generations of the planet. So it's, it's, a, it's a big impact. And a lot of it is kind of, it's, it's basically it's ingrained within like the veganism. I mean, not necessarily goes hand in hand with veganism, but most vegans are self-aware of the, what the consequences are to their actions to some extent. So plastic, in a way, is the hand-in-hand hand thing with it. Not all vegans would agree with this, but a lot of us are basically more aware of, like, why do I need to buy a plastic bottle when I can carry something like a Camelback or whatever that I've been using and I can clean and then ref- refill with different yeah, water? I've been
0: wearing this guy lately. This has been working out really oh, nice. Well. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, it makes yeah, I mean, sense. I really. mean, it works.
1: Yeah, it it's helps. Totally, yeah. It's totally easier. And like, you're not having to constantly go, I'm thirsty. Let me pop into Seven Eleven or whatever right. and just buy a bottle of water, then throw it away. And then you're rinsing and repeating. And most restaurants will have water that you can generally ask for in a jug as opposed to buying that bowl of water that they want to bring to you and things of that nature, essentially. Every little thing helps. And um, yeah makes a yeah, big difference unfortunately in, in thailand
0: it's a big issue man with plastic you mm-hmm. have, you know 7-eleven they they want to give you a bag for everything like any little tiny thing plus they want to give you a straw if you buy a drink and then sure. you know, any of the, the street vendors they want to give you like the fruit vendors are, are some of the worst because you got a bag for the fruit which doesn't really need a bag but they put it in a mm-hmm. plastic bag and then they give you a plastic bag with a handle to carry that plastic bag with the fruit in it um yeah. so, and then you get a plastic bag for each thing of fruit too. And so by the end of that fruit meal, you end up with like five or six plastic bags that you're just yeah. throwing in the trash because they're wasting. If you try to save them and wash them, they just get kind of gross and unusable too. So it's like, I don't know, yeah. it's, it's an unfortunate It's like thing. a
1: one-use-only plastic. It's not really designed to, yeah. for like a long-term use in that way. It's clients it, clients waking up and I understand the thought process behind it, which essentially it's like, it's customer service. It all comes down to, what can we do for the customer that makes them like a value add essentially and by going here's a straw with your drink here is a a, like here's a plastic bag and i get it i understand the thought process behind it but a lot of it comes down to us as the consumer to be like no thank you like i don't i don't need a plastic bag for my whatever that already can be held by my hand because I'm only buying one thing or in the fact of like the fruit vendors essentially it's it's all that kind of stuff but yeah it's just becoming more aware of those kind of things maybe buying like bigger lots or even just buying fruit that's essentially just as a whole food that's essentially like buy banana it comes in its perfect packaging right there and then and then you just peel it and then it's biodegradable but yeah it's, it's a trend that's growing, and I think for a lot of the Asian countries, it's going to take a little bit longer than some of the Western countries to adopt. But as long as us – because every, everything is down to us as the consumer. We vote with our money with every single action and transaction that we make. So by choosing to think a little bit more about the long-term ramifications rather than that convenience right there and then, but is it really worth it for me to essentially – like, I, I don't really fully agree in the zero waste method because essentially not, no such thing really exists unless you live on a farm, grow all your own food and et cetera, et cetera. But essentially, like, just try and think about it and be like, do I really need the plastic bag for this or can I just buy this drink or try and buy a, a glass bottle that's recyclable as opposed to this plastic bottle that chances are it's just going to get a landfill and float in the ocean or whatever, essentially.
0: Yeah, Juliana had a really good um, uh, point to make. Uh, we were trying to figure this out, and she said, "Well, the first the first thing I always do, or the, the main thing she could do, is just to refuse the plastic." And it, it took me a while mm-hmm. to use, like actually just simply refusing and say no bag, no this, no that. And, um, yeah. That really helped a lot, though. So I, I started getting more used to that. Now I, I bought my own reusable bags, so I use those a lot. Um, nice. Now that's that's definitely been going on for a long time. It's just like you said, like it's it's the adoption of the habit you know, that a lot of people have to form. It's like a new habit having to get used to not getting that plastic bag every single time. So yeah, it could be tough to adopt. Um, one of the possible solutions I figured was, you know, the widespread usage or, you know, production manufacturing of more biodegradable, uh, type single use containers like plastic bags and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, cause I see them in use sometimes in the vegan restaurants out here, which is really cool. Uh, they have biodegradable straws, especially in Bali. I saw that a lot, biodegradable straws, barks, oh, that's good. and spoons. Yeah they had a lot of that cool stuff. And I thought, you know, why isn't that more and wider usage? Because, you know, Bali, it's really important. It's an island, you know, yeah. they don't really have like a place to export the trash. Um, it gets A lot of it gets burnt on the island, which is one of the yeah. reasons why I couldn't stand living there is because every single day I'd have to, you know, at some point inhale this smell of burning plastic and it was just really plastic, awful. yeah yeah so um i saw that a lot out there though that was nice the beaches are a bit cleaner out there now uh, since they were like two three years ago when they first went out there so that's cool they're doing a bit more beach beach mm. cleanup because it was really bad in Cuda beach for a while but
1: yeah you know. i've swum there and i was just pretty much swimming yeah. with like it's still pretty like, bad yeah you can plastic, swim in changu beach or
0: whatever and there's like plastic yeah. here plastic there you're thinking like yeah, fish just gross, but, it, yeah yeah, yeah. It's really nice,
1: gross dude. and
0: sucks, yeah, I mean, yeah. but I
1: think is like after a while people will, even like the locals would be like if I want to swim in the beach this is not a pleasant experience
0: yeah. like
1: something that's happened in the UK or a lot of it in Europe essentially is they're charging for plastic bags which has cut down people's use of it uh, in Australia since I've been here in Queensland like um, I think first of July they essentially banned all plastic bags from supermarkets and most stores which I never even realized until I got back here and I was like <laughs> I, I already normally take bags anyway because I'd rather carry a backpack and get my groceries and carry like four plastic bags which yeah. just weigh me down yeah. so when I arrived there, I was like wow there's like no plastic here anymore and they're like yeah yeah this has been banned you have to buy these reusable bags that essentially are made of sturdy materials and essentially you can reuse and are encouraged in that way. And they have like res- plastic bag recycling things outside all the supermarkets and the big, or- big chains, like coals, et cetera, that do all that, which is like, it's a step in the right direction. And it, again, all these kind of like trends are growing and will continue to grow. And essentially a, a lot of it is Asia is replicating what the West is doing. And a lot of, as long as the West is, continually pushing for certain things like that then maybe asia will follow let's hope anyway so yeah i think we have got a bit sidetracked with this but either way it's, it's a valuable it's a valuable lesson for people to learn and essentially it is, it's really going to impact if, if you want to have kids and you want your kids to grow up in the world that we've enjoyed while we were growing up it's going to be have to something's going to be have to change and factor in. otherwise at the rate of human expansion it's just going to become insane if we all decide to choose a plastic straw with our Meals and then throw them up. I mean, years and years you'll be able to dig up the floor and I mean, the ground, and you'll find all the rem, all the leftovers of all of our kind of generation from just being thrown and buttoned and like dug up and etc yeah <laughs> yeah you the fossils <laughs> of
0: the, of our generation or of our civilization are going to be all the plastic bags and plastic bottles yeah it's
1: going to be layers of plastic <laughs> yeah there's going to be
0: like a half mile thick layer of earth's crust in the future it would just yeah. littered with trash <laughs> they're going to say oh yeah, yeah that, that was the uh that was that two three thousand years year. yeah <laughs> for sure Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's that's crazy, man. It's it. It's a really good conversation to have. I think honestly, again, just raising awareness, making people aware of the of the impact. You know, like the there's more people in cities more than ever these days, and that 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 number is growing. More people living in in cities, Um, and plastic is more consumed in cities than it is outside of cities. Obviously, general reasons like you said, if you live on a farm, you don't need as much plastic. So, like population is condensing especially in Asian countries and you have the city so it's just kind of a, a mounting problem and it's a big issue and yeah. it's a worldwide issue um, you know and it's contributing to things like global warming too because of the production of plastic creates you know gases and stuff like that and it's it's it all it comes from oil you know originally so yeah. really you're just refining oil which, which is a finite resource
1: anyway in that yeah.
0: sense so it's going to have to change. And it's really cool to see companies like, uh, you know, Tesla and, um, you know, Virgin and, uh, and Blue Origin, like Amazon and stuff like that. Those companies are doing a lot of cool stuff with technology to grow things. And I think they're going to be able to create some solutions to these big problems. And uh, maybe even startups, you know, that aren't even invented yet will have solutions. And, and Or p- people like uh, uh, Google, you know, or, or Apple will come up with something, who knows. So I'm excited for the future. Hmm. Um, I think yeah. I think there is going to be some good, good change happening in the next uh, decade or so. Oh yeah. I hope so. Next five years, we're going to notice a big change, <laughs> I reckon. Yeah. Like yeah.
1: it's it's reached a global a global tipping point, I think, right now. So essentially, it's going to like, just like self-driving cars and things are going to take over and we're going to experience more of that technological growth in our societies. I think this is also going to be one of those big kind of like hurdles that we're going to have to cross. And we are currently working towards crossing because everyone would like to walk through let's say a forest and not have to see other people's trash and there's this i saw like a few videos like a few months ago but like sweden i think it is or some other european company where essentially this whole jogging movement of like picking up trash while you jog is like an actual thing and it's like a trending thing and i was just like I, i just found it quite hilarious but at the same time it's like awesome that people are taking it in their own hands to do so and i mean like look at japan like japan is pretty much like you see pictures of it and it's not like someone just went there and tidied it up before you took the picture it is just spotless because it's a generation or not generation a culture where people are aware of what they're doing and their kind of their impact on other people so they're kind of trying to reduce essentially throwing waste because someone's there's going to be a like a burden on them and it's going to be seen as bad and all this kind of stuff and it's just generally like an awareness that's kind of having to kind of a little switch in your head that has to switch and essentially go does someone else really want to see my junk thrown here or am I better off just like throwing it in the trash or trying to recycle it or just not buying it in the first place
0: yeah, that's true. And I think it, it definitely hits home when you see like a picture or video on social media or something like that of the, of some some point of the ocean, wherever that happens to be, usually in a tropical island. And the water mm-hmm. is absolutely covered in like all sorts of trash and all different stages of <laughs> decomposition. And it just, it's like yeah. sad and scary and frightening. And also like, you know, makes you want to get up and do something about it. You know, it makes you upset a little bit. Same time, it makes you want to mm-hmm. blame somebody too. So um yeah you know, and and there's companies out there that are actually um making it their mission like part of their uh their profitability to like for uh, one of them is they go and clean up the oceans right they t- they pick up trash out of the water um but to help fund their company they actually sell these bracelets made out of recycled plastic um oh, and cool. I mean, it's from the same products maybe that they pick up i'm not exactly sure but yeah you know, <laughs> it's kind of a cool i know thing. i think
1: adidas made a shoe at one point that was essentially like mostly made out of recycled plastic which is quite cool like the, like the weaving on like the kind of top of the shoe and stuff which i was like also i mean like it all these things are little things but it, all of them raise awareness and by buying that you're helping to encourage that and the more we kind of like how can we reuse this stuff that we already have shitloads of it in the world that we could essentially like figure out other ways to use it without burning it for fuel or anything like that which essentially releases other toxins which are by like far worse but yeah i mean it, it's it's pretty awesome that like people are making it their mission to do so people are inventing unique devices that are able to collect it and then we can decide what to do with it whether we'll build bricks with it in the future or whatever who knows but it, it's it, I'm, I'm, it's a great time to be alive in that way just to see human ingenuity at its finest and the ability for essentially anyone to bootstrap a business like we're doing or even just bootstrap and get funding through kickstarter or GoFundMe, me whatever to do this awesome project that essentially is benefiting the rest of mankind by going i have thought of an awesome way that we could use x which is generally seen as one man's trash into treasure of some kind or into something useful that essentially one benefits the planet by cleaning up and two allows us to do something else with it which is reusing it which is generally awesome so yeah Definitely, it's uh, time to be alive in that way and ending on a good note in that sense. So, yeah. so uh, I'm just remember, guys to see what's going to come.
0: The, the three R's, refuse, reuse, recycle. <laughs> yeah. We were all taught that as little kids, but it's just so hard to remember that growing up and, uh, and being an adult, right? Refuse, reuse, hmm. recycle.
1: <laughs> I, I see it actually on the, the trash like, collection vans here in Australia. That's actually like the slogan as well. And I'm just like, oh yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, I mean, it's I think it's, it's, it's a growing be-
0: movement. There should be more in the media, though, don't you think? It's just kind of crazy mm-hmm. how, like, the media isn't really focused on that because it's not profitable for them, right? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so I hope that to see more enterprise built around, like, more social causes like this, that would be really, really cool to see. And, I mean, it's just not something I'm probably going to be doing, but at least by doing these podcasts and having these conversations and people listening to them, they'll be able to definitely, like, raise awareness. And I think that's the one thing that we can do as content creators mm-hmm. is raise awareness. So that's, that's just – as doing as a company running a commercial about it uh, you know a, a, a small time podcaster like me or or, or you uh, you know raising awareness is just as powerful i think you know just changing minds one one person at a time um can definitely make a big impact on i it.
1: mean everything makes a difference and that's part of the reason why i'm vegan as well i mean sure like like the 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 main end and goal for civilization might be like lab grown me or whatever and not necessarily veganism but by you choosing to again refuse that initial thing, it's kind of like it almost like it's at the moment like against the status quo, and it's also getting other people to then think about it. And people are becoming more aware of like, oh, why do you choose not to drink dairy? And I'm like, well, because for one thing, I don't want X and Y in my drink or whatever, and and that kind of thing. And they're like, oh, okay. And they're like, oh, yeah. Like, and that's just one person. If Enough people start to go, uh, whatever. Like, even McDonald's. I went to McDonald's to take pictures for one of the products that we sell because we use them in McDonald's. And um, they've got an array of soy milk, almond milk, like, other things, as well as general dairy. But the fact that they're, like, by people choosing to vote with their money and buy alternative, like, things, which in a way better – then that it's changing and same with like the idea of metal straws or reusable straws or not using straws in the first place and like it it's a it's a it's a big shift but the generally the, the businesses that adapt to it the quickest generally get the most support from the social aspect and their videos get shared all over social media by people that care about this stuff and therefore that's essentially that we're spreading publicity for those companies which is it's a win-win for them they're, they're doing something beneficial we're agreeing with it we're sharing the message other people might be like, oh did you know x and y and then it gave spirals on essentially so i think it is a very smart move for a, a company to essentially be like well, we're doing this which generally is seen now as bad publicity if if ever gets out let's just try and pivot So what we're doing is the other thing, which everyone's kind of getting on board with, and then they'll be happier with, and therefore it benefits them and it benefits us and our bottom line's better, which is always a good thing. I mean, even now the whole like no plastic bags thing in stores, I mean, they're probably saving millions from not actually having to make them in the first place. Granted, it's worse for customer service, but at the same time people are happier because we're happier to shop there because they're not actually destroying the planet by offering a service that's free that actually not beneficial so yeah if you're an entrepreneur and you're thinking of different ways like think about the ramifications of what you're doing and whether you're choosing to produce like millions of little bits of plastic that generally serve no purpose and chances are will get thrown into a landfill or could you do something that's made out of recycled aspects that might cost you a little bit more money but essentially you can use that as a unique selling point or a value add which might end up Boosting your product to be more of a profitable product because people are choosing to buy it because they're thinking more environmentally consciously than just going, oh, I want the cheapest thing possible and chances are it's crap and they'll just get rid of it anyway. So there you go.
0: There like, you come, That's a perfect next- uh, that's a perfect entry point for uh, talking more about e-commerce because um, you know, for instance, I used to sell uh, bicycles online. That was my first niche that I was into and uh, I sold the cheap bicycles. And what I found was a lot of the people would have these bikes for maybe like a few months, uh, maybe three to six months or something like that. And they'd realize that like they're good bikes, they're, you know, they, they get you around, but they're not really like high performance. So they would end up having to like sell them on Craigslist or something like that. And I'm assuming a lot of these bicycles, these really cheap bikes probably just end up in landfills somewhere, you know? Whereas Hmm. if they had had bought a a more nicer bicycle in the first place, like a more high-end bicycle, they'd probably number one, appreciate and respect it more. And number two, it'd probably, you know, work better for them for the long run. And then just the other day I was looking on Facebook and something popped up. Um, It was a picture or a video of these giant, um, landfills just full of bicycles and they're in China and it was um, full of bicycles from rideshare companies because apparently China is full like you were saying of, uh, of all these free rideshare bicycles well they're very inexpensive and stuff like that but apparently they're just picking them up off the street throwing them in the cars and driving them to landfills now to get them out of the street because there's so many of them <laughs> I, mean, I was just like wow it's it emotion, yeah. you know like, uh, now there's, now there's yeah. bicycle trash you know like, it's just as bad as car trash mm-hmm. but except you know mm-hmm. minus the oil and all these. The other like things that yeah. are cars that are really bad but um bicycles you know they're made of metal they're made of some plastics they're made of uh rubber things like that so you have a lot of different types of trash and you know landfills are filled with all sorts of things not just that there's appliances old computer parts which can include lithium batteries and and sealed yeah. lead acid batteries which can be really bad for the environment um and you know so anyways there's all these different like things not just it's not just plastic it's so much more than that and, and the yeah, trash issue there's is there's definitely there. getting worse but like i said hopefully um you know people just starting up entrepreneurs you can kind of take a social entrepreneurship standpoint any type of business you do whether it's the actual products you sell whether it's just in the marketing whether it's in you supporting a social cause alongside your sales you know like you donate one percent or something like that whatever yeah uh, it's really cool that way to, to build a company to build a brand really mm-hmm. you know build yeah a brand for new. sure more people like and want to support. Um, so maybe let's, uh, let's just move on uh, to the next topic in the, uh, in the podcast. I wanted to talk more about what you're doing right now. Uh, you mentioned to me before the podcast, you're doing um, online marketing for local businesses in Australia. Uh, maybe how mm-hmm. did you get into that and, then, and, uh, and what's been your success there and how have you been able to help companies with that, with uh, getting presence?
1: Well, essentially for me, uh, after kind of starting to come here for missing kind of a little bit of Chiang Mai, and because a few of my friends were coming here anyway, it was kind of Australian summer, so I thought, like, I've never been to Australia. It's always appealed to me. Like, you know, check out The Sahel Coast is awesome, and it pretty much is. If you don't live there, come check it out. It's beautiful beaches, et cetera. Um, but um, basically, what I started to do while I got here, I finished up a few projects as a freelancer. And then decided to just kind of contact some companies and see. Uh, looked around on Gumtree and like, which essentially which essentially is Craigslist over here, and then find out what companies were doing. A few of them were looking for web designers, and I started looking around and seeing how essentially a lot of companies here aren't even listed on Google like shopping or Google like marketing or any kind have have much of that online presence going their web design is very much like five to 10 years behind the West, like in terms of America and the UK. So I was like, well, I've got some skills here. I could easily make some money just approaching these companies. So what I did is essentially decided to visit some local companies, started speaking to them and going, I see you have a website. That's not great. Like I, this is how much I charge. Are you interested? And like that kind of stuff as a freelancer to essentially promote myself and my abilities to essentially benefit them. And I've done that with a few people or with essentially helping them build like Shopify stores and getting like their e-commerce website from something like WordPress, WooCommerce to something a little bit better. And it's easier for them to manage because a lot of people, especially which aren't super IT literate, find like WooCommerce and WordPress very kind of hard to get behind. Whereas we we're pretty much like shopify like like messiahs in one way where it's just so easy the amount of tools and availability you get from this platform is great and you literally even as a total noob can build a website which is instantly like a store with a basic theme add products really easily add pictures really easily and just get going without having to juggle through a million different apps that do several things that might not work well together and all that kind of stuff so yeah essentially just uh, like and i've also taken photography as a kind of i had a little youtube channel for a while played around with different media formats and uh, decided to really go forward with my photography so i've essentially as part of my web design portfolio i've kind of uh, approached them with like i can also do some social media work for you i can take pictures and do photo shoots and then therefore that goes hand in hand with the web presence. So you can have some nicer photos of your products that you clearly took on an iPhone five, like three years ago in a poorly lit room and aren't really selling and aren't really working because as we know, like pictures really tell most of the words with social media, with, with like e-commerce and things like that. So essentially it, that kind of all goes hand in hand, whether you're a photographer or a web designer or a graphics designer, all of these things work really well together to essentially help the cost, help you as an either a business person or help the business that you're working for, essentially become from essentially zero to hero and actually make some real good money in sales. Because as we're scrolling through Pinterest and Instagram, the pictures that generally stand out the most are the ones that are the best. And by helping them get good pictures, it's going to really help them generate more followers more traction more clicks more views and therefore more sales and it's really a numbers game so the better the quality of what you can put together with your listings your products your marketing the the generally the more sales you're gonna get so that's kind of like part of my sales pitch in a way and uh, it's worked for a lot of the clients and um, now it's pretty much like word of mouth i literally have clients going I spoke like one of them is my accountant, which I actually knew from another client, which basically had a meeting with their accountant, told them about me working for them. And she's like, oh, I want to get my website done. So essentially he spoke to me. And now she, because she's an accountant, she speaks to businesses pretty much day in, day out. And then she's like, oh yeah, I had a, a guy that did my website and it's great. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we like your website. And then she, it's literally world of mouth marketing. As long as you do a good job and you charge a reasonable rate, you'll be sorted and I, I, i'm essentially in a way like the proof is in the pudding and i'm the pudding in that sense like it's a weird english saying but essentially um yeah like just just do a good job and be decent be a decent person and charge reasonable rates and before you know it you'll be swimming and working uh, i the the point i'm at i essentially have hired someone i've had my wife to essentially do a bunch of work for me because i have too much work so i've spent time training her and had do a bunch of stuff and she enjoys graphic design so she's essentially now my freelance graphic designer that i hired in a way like your wife essentially is working for you and you're you guys together are a team to do stuff and it's just great it works really well and we're benefiting each other so it's a win-win
0: yeah that's so true man that's an awesome relationship um what kind of businesses do you uh uh, like specifically work with what what types of businesses like restaurants cafes or more like like accountants that kind of stuff do you have like a particular um
1: it's a real mix like for example um like one of my like favorite clients over here is essentially a coffee company because one i like coffee most people like coffee but essentially it's a it's an awesome kind of industry to be part of and what they do is they essentially are a distributor for like coffee machines coffee equipment grinders basically everything you'd find in a cafe Um, so what they do is they import and then distribute to other cafes and roasters and things like those kind of businesses in the area. So it's more like a business to business kind of, um, company. So I'm doing a lot of like video picture, all those kind of things that I mentioned before basically are perfect for that kind of industry because coffee is a real big thing on the web and it's a growing market. And especially in Australia, coffee is a massive thing over here. So it's very interesting. But another client, for example, is um, a business that essentially mainly does like expos and basically does the kind of old school kind of conventions where they kind of meet and share their products in that way. But wanted to essentially trans transit uh, towards the word um, go from that style of business to essentially online and therefore reach a bigger demographic. So instead of just the people they could reach at these shows, they could essentially have a store that's open twenty four seven, ready to serve customers. And essentially, is mostly hands-off in that way. So what I've done essentially is I, like, I met that guy uh, at one of his trade shows, actually. I, I rocked up just to see what was there and started speaking to him. And then he's like, oh, yeah, I'd love to get some of these products up there. And I was like, well, do you have pictures of them? He's like, I've got a few pictures, but they're not great. And I was like, oh, my my, was like, okay, well, I can take pictures of them. And I was like, do you have a good website? And he's like, well, it's kind of okay. Some guy built it in like the Philippines it did a terrible job and doesn't work and I know I'd have no idea how to use it. And so I was like, okay, well, how about we work on that as well? And then like you just kind of like open this conversation. Essentially, by for me, from taking these courses initially to learn dropshipping and essentially experimenting with my own businesses, it's given me like a good understanding of what needs to be done essentially to go from I've got an idea. To so I've got a store which sells said products and I've had a little bit of experience doing that essentially, which is more than enough to help someone else repeat that process, but with their existing products. And from my perspective, because as an entrepreneur, there's a lot more risk involved. As a freelancer, there's a lot less risk in that way, which for me kind of works nicer because essentially I, I work hourly or by project and therefore just it's less passive, which is the only thing that kind of sucks, but otherwise essentially I can help people with existing products uh, and existing businesses grow their business in a, in a platform that I'm more fam- most familiar with because of the experience I've had from these YouTube videos, these courses, and pretty much all the wealth of knowledge that's available on the internet that most people aren't willing to sit down and learn. Where if you're looking to bootstrap and get started, it's, it's right there in front of you and all you have to do is look and start spending time learning and experimenting and there you go. You've pretty much figured out how to do it.
0: It's awesome, man. Congratulations on your success there. Uh, Good, you're man. doing is really cool. Um, how much does a company usually have to pay for services like yours, um, generally speaking, I like to get a web presence, get a website up?
1: It really depends like, like for essentially just like a zero presence, or for example, you have a terrible website that was done 10 years ago. Um, it really a lot of the time depends on how many products they have and what level of quality do they want? A video for every product page, which obviously involves time making the videos and that kind of stuff. Or is it just basically some copy things that the as pism? Like I will admit I'm not the best copywriter in the world, but through being in Chiang Mai and meeting up and networking with the digital nomad in like kind of community, you learn, oh, this guy I have friends with, he's actually really good at Facebook ads. This person's a great copywriter. So you can essentially become a one man hub that outsources a lot of your work to other people that you are aware of. And then you've essentially either add a little bit of like a kind of management fee to, or essentially just like just pass on the cost because they're your friend. And then you're helping your friends out, your friends are flourishing, you're flourishing. But anyway, back to answering your question. Essentially, it depends. Like in Australia, the minimum wage here is pretty high. It's something like 20 Australian dollars an hour or around that. I charge a little bit more for my services, but essentially I can easily knock up as like a Shopify store in about 10 to 15 hours, maybe 20 with, depending really on products. If you've got products that exist on like WordPress or whatever, Chances are they can be exported into a spreadsheet and therefore really easily imported into shopify and therefore you can do more stuff on that back end, which saves money uh, yeah, but yeah, pretty much ten to fifteen hours, sometimes a bit more uh, unless you want more pictures and videos and then more optimization then that obviously takes more time but yeah, and then you can multiply that by essentially twenty to twenty five dollars an hour depending on those kind of things and before you know it you're there and yeah and then you can have this conversation with the client of do you want this or that or do you want to change it like one of my clients essentially sells like dc fridges like low power fridges for like boat caravans and things like that again had a terrible experience with an australian client with a freelancer here that did a very bad job for him and lost him a lot of money i moved him over to shopify built him the whole site and then he's like oh i would would like a better search so again it's adding apps to Shopify that essentially streamline that process for him a little bit better. And now it's pretty much just like an ad hoc. Oh, I'd like this or I'd like that changed or can you help me with X and Y? And then, yeah, it's just pretty much a passive client and they're happy and I'm happy and then you move on. But it's quite fun. And you also get to learn other people's niches, like what people are doing in business and you're kind of like, it all gives you ideas, and through helping other clients with different things you're also broadening your skill set, which essentially allows you to potentially charge your money more money for things like my customer that does the coffee stuff they sell business to business and I'm more interested in wholesale so I've had to learn a whole load of things about wholesale apps on Shopify and how to scale like wholesale discounts and bulk buys and things like that, and wholesale logins which enable wholesale discounts and all those other things I was like how do you do that with Shopify and then just a bit of Google searching a bit of looking around and then you're like oh and now I've got this under my belt and this tool under my belt and I understand how to do that and all of that essentially is growing me as an like as an entrepreneur and it's growing me as the ability to essentially go I, I've got this idea I can launch this store and I already have this wealth of knowledge of how to do X and Y and then you're like Hmm, this might really work as a product that I could sell wholesale to other people that do this. And then like before you wouldn't even think about it in that perspective, you're thinking, how can I sell more chairs to people? Whereas now you're thinking about it in completely different perspectives and going, what can I do on this platform? Now I know that this platform is pretty much almost limitless in what its capabilities are. And how can I make this happen in a, like as little time as possible? And when you're also having those conversations with clients be like, Oh, I I see what you're saying there. Well, I've done this for another client and then therefore you're able to do it for them. Whereas before you'd be like, yeah, yeah, sure. I I can do that. And you have no idea what to do. And then you're a little bit more screwed, but yeah, all these little things are like building this kind of foundational knowledge that really helps you, like help other people and help people like you if you ever needed help with certain things we can discuss and then it's just like for example if you learn to code you learn to code and you have the skill set and then you learn to code other languages and before you know people might need your help with rebuilding a product page and then therefore that's all built on code so they hire your services with code well to me it's kind of more consulting with e-commerce and things like that and it might take you five hours to research and find these things where you can speak to me and I can do it for you in an hour. So it saves you time and therefore it gives me something to do. So it's a win-win for everyone really.
0: Yeah, that sounds awesome, man. It's so great that you're doing that now. Um, It's really cool to have like services and local businesses need that kind of stuff, you know, like they just, they they do what they do, but they don't know how to get online. Like you know how to get online and do marketing and do Mm -hmm. social media marketing, email marketing, and, uh, and paid advertising and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a huge need for it. I, I, I know for sure local businesses in Thailand um, are really waking up to that. I, I remember um, okay. being in Chiang Mai and, uh, and posting with a location on Instagram, Chiang Mai. And then all of a sudden I would get little restaurants and cafes liking and following me. Uh, you know, because I had posted something in Chiang Mai and then I would look them up and sure enough, they're like down the street and I would actually go check them out and buy yeah. some food from them. So um, I'm sure there are some more people like you in Chiang Mai doing that for the local businesses, you know, and I mm-hmm. see photographers out there all the time taking pictures of the food and posting it. And Out here, I see a lot. They're trying to sell condominiums in Bangkok like crazy. So there's always all this crazy marketing going on for the condos at the, uh, at the malls and the BTS yeah. stations and stuff. And they're there with all the, the cool things. And, and every single ad I see on Instagram, when I first got here for like the first, week and a half every single ad was an ad for a, con- in a brand new condominium in bangkok <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so i mean there's it's no great market you yeah. can reach people a lot with social media marketing because everybody's on facebook mm. you know these days
1: for sure yeah yeah and there's no doubt that a lot of these businesses like are failing in some extent or losing business because they're unable to get on board with what's happening and Like there's no reason you can't approach this mom and pop shop and essentially go, Hey, I can totally help you with your business. And even if you're aspiring to essentially learn to become an entrepreneur and do what essentially me and Joe are doing here, you can totally just like start with something like this and be like, Hey, I'm new. I'm not great at this, but I can totally walk into a shop while you're bootstrapping and trying to build a business for yourself or looking for some side income and basically be like, I will help you with your business, or so I've got some experience as a photographer, but I'd like to become better at, say, e commerce or whatever. You can potentially take maybe a course that we've taken or another course, and then that gives you a good foothold to essentially go and speak to a client if you're potentially good at talking and therefore be like, hey, I can help you. I'll charge a much lower wage than, say, someone like I would. And then you beat me at the price perspective. They essentially pay for you to learn your craft to then become better and therefore earn enough money to essentially scale yourself to the point where you could move out to say Thailand or stay there and essentially grow another business on the side with the skills you've learned from someone else paying for which is in turn help them so instead of you having to think about how do I go from importing this stock from China to Amazon and then building this landing page and this and that and marketing just take a chunk of that and then try and refine it and then there's an already existing business there which already needs help and you potentially are interested in learning more about this whole online space so there's no reason why you can't have this conversation with them and maybe like kind of punch it a little bit above your weight. say you can do a little bit more than what you can do and use the ability of youtube and the internet to teach yourself stuff while you're doing it or take a course and learn a few things and maybe cover a few modules ahead and therefore, go up and basically, yeah, I can do that. And then while you're doing it on your part-time, learn a bit more about it. And then you've helped them launch their presence. They've generally been happier. You've charged them a reasonable fee. And they're now doing much better as a business. And you've now got more skills. And you can utilize those skills to build another business. So instead of while wow, you're bootstrapping and going, I've made no sales in my e-commerce dropshipping store. I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. Everything I'm just going to abandon it and go back to nine-to-five job just approach someone else and help them with their business. Cause essentially they've got nothing to lose. You've already got a little bit of skills from what you've done with your business. And you've essentially almost created yourself sort of a part-time job while you're waiting for your current business to grow. And therefore you can deviate from spending time on their business to spending more time on your business. And that's an interesting and easy gateway to essentially doing more with the skills that you have rather than just trying to go, okay, well, Let me just try some other course and some other scheme when essentially all the courses work. It's really down to your application and your abilities to scale that business. Maybe you've chosen a niche that's way harder than what you expect it to be or way more competitive, but it it can grow with time and using the time that you have, you can do something else with that and therefore learn more and refine your abilities doing that if that makes sense, which I think kind of does.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it makes makes a lot of sense, especially for somebody when they're just getting started. Yeah, definitely honestly like in the very beginning you have to learn and if you can yeah. work with somebody who's already successful and learn while you work that's the number one best way to be to get to your own success in your own business just for like sure. you have yeah so that's literally
1: awesome. something I did yeah I'm not sure if we covered that earlier but <laughs> when I moved to Chiang Mai I was kind of like looking for more work while I was also working on my own businesses and that's how I found another guy that was in space and I worked with him for- while he was several stores he was doing all right and basically had more work than he was able to do himself so uh i basically approached him i was like i already have a base of experience doing my own stores which benefited him so he didn't have to spend even more time training me to get to the point where he was like to get someone that had no idea to the point where they could actually help him i could already help him so he could already be like oh can you change the like branding on this website or can you do that on there or can you outsource this for someone else essentially I became his personal assistant to some extent with the knowledge that I already had from taking a few courses and having my own store and yeah through learning through him I learned uh, how to do a lot of work with spreadsheets and essentially be able to import a supplier's spreadsheet which is generally all over the place because every supplier has a different kind of spreadsheet. And essentially, take say a thousand furniture items and easily write some code in an Excel spreadsheet that could eat, like, import them all into Shopify. And before we knew it, within four hours, we'd imported 2000 products with pictures and everything, which is just absolutely nuts. Where you could pay someone in the Philippines like $3 an hour, and even then, they'd take you like way longer than we could do it in four hours, which then there's another skill set we were able to sell to other people who wanted the same kind of work done like they're like oh i've got this supplier spreadsheet that's like 100 products but i don't really want to i'm like yeah we could do that in no time because we already have the formula and the template of this spreadsheet that we can essentially just copy the code move it to a new one remap all the formulas and then off it goes and creates a perfect like like representation of their products on your website which is exactly the same without any risk of human error because if there's going to be an error on one of them, there's going to be a risk on error on all of them. And you can see that and then update it. Which again, useful skills that I would never have learned unless I worked with that person. So it's, it's really cool. And I really like everything is like a little notch on your belt of skills that you can offer to another client that really is pretty awesome and is a value add and makes you shine further and further as you grow.
0: Yep. You'll hear this, you'll hear the same thing from like every single mentor out there that's been successful is that you've got to learn skills to succeed in life. And like, this is awesome. Yeah. I'm really glad you've been able to do that. And that, you know, you didn't just get lazy and say, Oh, whatever. It didn't work the first time. I'm going back to my day job. Like you just, you stayed motivated. You um, consistently learned new things and you knew that it would work out because like, you yeah, know, sure believe in yourself. And that's really cool. I think uh, very inspirational for a lot of people. Um, And just the fact that you're willing to work uh, to learn in the very beginning without getting paid um, is it 's something that 's very common amongst uh college graduates. you know anybody that goes to a technical school even uh, graphic design things like that when your first job uh, you know out of school or whatever probably is something to do with an internship you know and and um, it 's the same thing in entrepreneurship you know like your first job isn 't always going to be like the super profitable business where you can quit your day job and and you know yeah. life on a freaking cruise ship you know like that 's just not how it works unfortunately. <laughs> hmm. But yeah, I've heard YouTubers really. that I
1: follow say similar things as well. Of like, for example, if you want to make it as a YouTuber, something kind of unrelated to what we're talking about, but the same premise still applies. Like, you make five YouTube videos, you're not making any kind of real views, and you're not making YouTube money. Like, don't expect your first five videos to really hit home and build a following. It takes time. If you're training to be a paramedic, you're gonna to have to put in a lot of hours to then qualify as a paramedic. If you're training to be a psychologist, you have to do a number of hours as a psychologist before you're qualified to be a psychologist. And it's the same with being like an online entrepreneur of some kind. You're gonna to have to spend X amount of hours to learn to do what you need to do in order to become successful at what you're doing. It. You're not just gonna be like, I took this one course, it was a 10 hour course, and now I've done the thing the 10 hour course told me to do, and now I'm rolling in money. Because it just doesn't work like that. you you, you got to honestly put in the time. And the best way to do that is to essentially enjoy what you're doing, find what about this process you're enjoying the most, and try and like monetize, like monetize or take more value out of that and apply it to other things or try and make more of that. Like For me, I enjoyed the building the store process, which is why I really enjoyed speaking to other clients, essentially helping them build their stores, because it let me refine my craft, build stores even quicker than most other people could do it, because I knew what templates work, I knew what things worked, and I could just streamline the process from something that essentially took me like twenty hours to now taking me five, and then adding more time to essentially do other things that would have taken me even longer so yeah, it's all investment in time and investing in yourself because Regardless of whether you use these skills now, you might end up needing them down the line. Uh, From my Amazon FBA business, I ended up having to ship stuff from the UK to Amazon in the USA. And I had to learn about US tax, all these kind of different systems that you probably are well aware of, but I'm not. Uh, And that's become an invaluable process for one of my clients in Australia that's trying to transition their business from a Australian business model to an American business model. And while we're having these conversations, I was like, oh yeah, I've done that with one of my businesses. And never did I think that any of that would have been useful five years down the line, but it really has been because I went through the whole hurdles that he's going through. And I was like, oh yeah, you need like an EAN, you need this. And like, I have an accountant, which I spoke to like three years ago, let me reach out to them. Or I've got another friend that's got a business over there that has like an automated answering phone service let me like hook you up with them and like and then all this has just become like a key value add that in their eyes I'm like an almost irreplaceable aspect of their business and that's because I just like hit walls after wall after wall with my own business and then managed to go through it by googling looking into it and learn the skills to now help other people do it which is awesome.
0: (laughs) That is so cool, man. And I'm just so glad that, you know, you can talk to the viewers and and they can listen into this pretty much a success story. You know, someone who's Mm. gone and done, and done what you, you know, you've done it, dude, this is fucking amazing. And now you're living in Australia, you're living in Thailand, back and forth. Do you like one over the other? Um, What's your feeling on that?
1: Uh, Chiang Mai is still my favorite city in the world as of yet that I've found in terms of like price, like the size, the people, Like, there's a few things I don't like about Chiang Mai uh, or Thailand in general that I like about Australia, but there's a lot of other things that I'd prefer. Like, Australia and the Gold Coast, one of my main gripes with this place is the internet is not great. Like, 20 megs down is considered a good internet connection here, which most of the world listening to this right now is going, really? That's shit. And, like, yeah, that's good here, to be honest. But, again, that's a problem that will be solved with time. And that's something i see it's not it's not going to be like oh it's terrible i'm like yeah it's terrible right now it's doable for most things but like give it like if i'm ever considering to like settle down here i'm like by the time i end up settling down that's probably going to be solved with now 5g coming as well as other big technological improvements that'll speed everything up and before we know it we'll have gigabit internet connections everywhere and like slow internet speeds will be a thing that we'll be telling our grandkids and then they'll be like they'll they just kind of go in one ear and they won't even be able to comprehend the idea just like kids nowadays can't even think about life without phones whereas we grew up without that kind of technology we grew up with playing snake on our phones and having like stupid shit like polyphonic or monotonic ringtones which now probably most of your listeners are going what the hell's that <laughs> i remember so, yeah. the days <laughs> yeah for sure but yeah so- gold coast is really pretty
0: it's like it. awesome i gotta make my way down there and, and come visit you man i, I really want to go surfing Absolutely. out there so it looks it looks pretty cool looks mm. really um you do a lot of yeah, photography yeah. i wanted to talk about a little bit about that before i let the go. viewers um go but yeah um what's up with your photography man you're really good at it do you just do it for a hobby sure. do you
1: <laughs> it's it's pretty much it What? Uh, yeah it literally was one of those things like i said before like I had a YouTube video and for me like because I always kind of like thought of myself as like a futurist and always try and see what's like the future and I was like video is always the future like because I was always thinking of what's like the next thing in that way and video has become the future with YouTube and and things like that but in a way as a kind of aspiring YouTuber for a time I was like editing and shooting videos is so Mm -hmm. much effort and takes so much time with vlogs and things I was like I kind of enjoy that creation aspect but I wanted to find something that's a little bit kind of like easier when you're so busy with other things and I was like well photos are cool and I can always just find a good photo and edit it and then that's allowed me to essentially think of things like as a frame and like okay let me work on composition and things and in the last kind of like six months I decided to while I'm traveling I'd want to document a lot of my travels with kind of pictures and video and things and I was like if I can invest in a good camera that's going to be good in several years from now, I might as well do that now rather than buy a cheap camera and then in a few years' time want to buy a better camera and then look back at my old photos from my cheap camera and go, man, those photos are nowhere near as good as my good camera. I should have just bought the good camera in the first place because real lenses don't really go out of fashion. Like camera bodies do, but lenses generally don't. And like good glass will make good photos. You can look back at photos from like 30 years ago, they still look good because they're using good quality optics and that's one of those things so yeah anyway um, I decided to focus a little bit more and find that because even through my e-commerce and entrepreneurial journey I was like photos are a real big thing with businesses and if I can get better at editing shooting pictures and stuff like that that's another value add I can add to my sales pitch essentially when approaching these clients so I kind of started on that journey and just both wanting to document my journey and taking pictures and doing all that kind of stuff with my Instagram account. And um, actually through all that, I now manage a brand Instagram account for one of the products of one of my contacts because they're like, oh, we like your photography. And this guy's doing a real terrible job with our brand Instagram account. Would you like this job? And I'm like, sure. So now I get paid like whatever, something like 30, 35 bucks a photo, which I post every day and takes me about 30 minutes to do, 10 minutes sometimes. And then that's another like passive, easy job I can do with my photography. So and that's not necessarily pictures I've taken, but just the skills I've learned through editing photos and finding ways of editing and learning about the editing process, and basically being able to go and turn a shit photo into a good photo. Uh, obviously, to some extent, like if it's real terrible, it's not going to be that much more recoverable. But yeah, I enjoy photography, and that's become like a hobby of mine. And 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 I've used that to essentially give myself more work because I've grown that, and because of my in with these businesses through. And like talking to them at their websites i've been able to take product photography and therefore invest in better lenses and therefore being able to grow another hobby of mine in a way that actually benefits me and my business and then my business like partners and now when i approach new clients i'm really like yep i've got a good photo i've got a good photo set up and everything that's essentially been paid for through the whole process of like oh yeah, I'd like to take better photos with it. Like one of my clients was like, I'd like to take better photos of these products, but your products are really small. So I was thought about, okay, I need a wide angle lens that I can have a really short focal distance is actually really good for macro photos. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll basically buy you that so you can help us do that in exchange for like payment essentially. And I was like, sure. And then that way I've gained the lens from doing like a few jobs for them and yeah it's all 100%. little things that you can build to your toolkit which is pretty awesome i'd love a drone right now that's one of the next things i'm thinking <laughs> about like current aerial photography of like clients that's like businesses will be awesome like that way i can like do like, actual, like aerial like building shots and then be like yeah here's it on your website like and that's another bad add that most people can't offer and then you get a drone out of it it's the modern day remote control car it's pretty fucking awesome
0: <laughs> and uh, yeah that yeah. sounds good yeah you should definitely do that i see i see some uh drone videos of houses people are selling like really nice expensive houses and, like, in like Laguna beach or something yeah. i've seen that before so that's definitely exactly maybe for like a really cool like coffee shop up in the hills in chiang mai or mm. something you know a nice little drone uh <laughs> shot yeah yeah, it's, yeah it's, shots
1: like that exactly or awesome. <laughs> shit shots pulling away from like the business or something as like an intro to like a video for like the youtube channel or whatever and yeah like all of these things like become awesome skills that you can offer for yourself and for other things and for your friends and et cetera, et cetera. And like, there's so many ways to make money in the world. Like the most, the, the problem with a lot of people is they just focus too much on this tunnel vision of like, how can I do this when really like you can market almost anything you can do. Like, but yet, like if you're really good at talking, you can market that skill. You could potentially manage a whole team and you just like for example i'm pretty decent at sales now from doing it from so much that i could in a way hire a team that essentially replaces me and i could just go to meetings make clients and then pass all the work and freelance it. or you have a good network of people you can freelance to that say like filipino or whatever that you could or other clients other people that essentially are good at what they do and you can rely on them so you just basically get jobs and then pass them over to other people that you know are capable of doing and then you just piggyback off the money, the, the, the products or the content that they're creating. And then you just make money on the side from it. So it's, it's just like people don't even think about that. But that's a valuable skill in a way that if you find good people, like they'll be worth money. And you can think of ways that you can utilize their skills to make more money for yourself. True, man. And they win by you giving them work and you win by being a manager. So, yeah, win-win.
0: Cool. Yeah, it's so true. The agency model is alive and well. So for anybody out there that's looking to either network with you or actually maybe hire you for your services, uh, where can they find you online?
1: Sure. Uh, I'm on Facebook as is everyone. Uh, my, my tag I believe is facebook.com forward slash, uh, slash Kun. So S-L-A-S-H-K-U-N. And my Instagram is Instagram or at Loka, L-O-K-A underscore Phil. That's my name. Uh, local means the world so i kind of thought that's Phil of the world and because i'm traveling and that kind of stuff it kind of works it made sense but yeah i'm sure it will be links within your podcast or something but yeah facebook.com forward slash kun or localphil or local underscore phil for instagram or just email me at slash at me.com slash at me.com cool
0: man yeah cool. and in the future uh, um, if you have a website or anything i'll add the link in the description just let me know sure Cool. yeah yeah, it's in the works thanks for uh, yeah, being awesome, part of the man. podcast man and inspiring people out there the listeners i'm sure you guys awesome. got tons of value from it i mean if if anything just take action don't be afraid you know do what phil did and get out there and just get some skills so thanks a yeah. lot on, phil really appreciate your uh, awesome man nice, you. nice to chat to you for sure yeah. All right. pleasure it,
1: man. see you soon man enjoy Great. your travels
0: okay